Hello and welcome to Pod Damn America, the gothic socialist podcast for the stupid children. My name's Jake Flores. I'm your host, and I will be joined shortly by my other hosts, my co-hosts, you might say, Anders Lee and Alex Patak. Um, but up top of the episode today, I want to do a little intro explaining a few things because we will be also joined by a couple rounds of guests, the first of whom is uh, an insane person um, who I considered maybe not having on the show, but he said he would come on because I think he's bored in quarantine right now, and um he, I, here's what's going on, folks. I'm trying to hijack his million followers with maybe like a retweet so we can, uh, you know, get some listeners and some Patreon subscribers and live. <laughs> uh, so before you cancel me, this is in no way an endorsement of John McAfee. Um, I think you'll hear we pretty much, you know, just fucked with him. Um, he's real weird. This is, uh, pretty gallowsy humor if you're uh you know if you don't want to hear that and you're um you know one of our more sensitive listeners then uh <laughs> yeah i mean you maybe skip that part um if you're a fucking weirdo edgelord like me it's you know pretty fun he's a complete fucking lunatic and i think that he's killed people um but we're just Skyping with him because he's just an insane person on the internet. And, uh, you know, it was a weird way to kill 30 minutes. So, uh, yeah, not endorsement, just weird. Uh, and purely in the interest of our survival and maybe a little bit of entertainment in the process. Uh, so we talked to John McAfee, who, if you're unfamiliar, is the creator of the McAfee antivirus software that you may remember from early internet days. Um, he's a tech guy who lost uh, money on that, I guess, and then was pushed out of his company um, to understand the story, moved to Belize, did a bunch of crazy shit in Belize, is largely suspected to have killed his neighbor or some guy at his neighbor's house or something, um, pro- did some other horrible shit. There's a documentary about him. It just got taken off of Netflix. It's called Gringo. It was filmed by... Uh, Nanette Bernstein, the same woman who did the Hillary Clinton documentary, and uh, there are people in the documentary that talk about how he, you know, would ask them to sh- shit in his mouth and stuff like that. This is the guy who made the <laughs> made the software that kept you from getting viruses back in the Windows ninety five days. Um, so that's coming up here, and then after that, we will be talking to our pals Josh Androsky and David Jetty. From uh, the podcast in the red, uh, the new podcast that they have about uh, basically demystifying the you know nitty gritty hardcore economics of the situation we're all living in right now. Um, Josh is really funny. You might know him from appearing on Chapo Trap House and from being a comedian in L.A. and going on The Price Is Right on Acid and going on tour with me and all this other shit. Um, yeah, so enjoy the show. Don't tweet at me about this. I, you, I, everything, asterisks and everything, parody. None of this is real. Shut up. I know, don't shut up. Okay. Uh, all right, here we go, folks. Me, Anders, Alex, and 
an insane person. Complete fucking lunatic. Here we go. positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America as long as she Something will happen here. Um, all right. Well, we should get right into it. To not waste any of our uh, esteemed guests' time, um, we, we are have half an hour. Half so an hour. Let's hit record. All right. We're I'm already clock. already recording, baby. Um, all right. We are now speaking with uh, 2020 presidential hopeful on the libertarian ticket. I am to understand, John McAfee. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here. Good. All right. Well, uh, I know that we want to get into, uh, you know, obviously a pithy, deep discussion of the um, the gritty details of your uh, economic and social platforms. First thing I wanted to ask you, uh, <laughs> when I, in your professional opinion, if I'm making a Bloody Mary to, uh, you know, get fucked up during the uh the core um are you like a briny man are you like a kitchen sink type bloody mary theorist or is are you more of a classic uh just the ketchup you know um because i personally admit have been i like a fishy bloody mary uh i like a lot of worcestershire olive brine that sort of thing i like to eat a lot of the uh you it's know, actually okay here's the essentials um as long as it contains about um, this much vodka, <laughs> you, need, you need no other ingredients. So if there's some sauce around, throw it in. If you got some tomato juice, throw that in. Um, if you have Tabasco, throw that in. Got a piece of celery stuck in your refrigerator from last year, throw that in. Uh, and then drink it down. What about actual blood? Would you ever use that? Well, <laughs> you know, I, I'm pretty much a vegetarian sort of guy. Oh. Um, never done it, quite frankly. And, and the fact that it's called Bloody Mary might, might uh, make one uh, uh, consider the possibility that it originated from uh, drinking blood. I don't fucking know. Why don't you try it and let me know, and uh, then I'll consider it. I'll do that. That'll be my homework assignment. Thank you very much. Yeah. But you actually had a, a culinary uh, pledge you were going to take about the value of Bitcoin. I believe it was you predicted that it would hit a million dollars this year. And if it oh, didn't, you, you were going to eat your yeah, the, eat your own penis. I, I made that statement at the same time. I, I confessed to fucking whales uh, and eating brains. I mean, listen, Bitcoin is the oldest, most um, – crude of all blockchain technology. It's virtually worthless in this world. Anybody with any common sense knows it's got no privacy, no smart contracts, no distributed applications. It's 
an ancient rickety blockchain. It showed us the way. God bless Bitcoin. But I said that because people are going, oh, Bitcoin, the Bitcoin maximums. They go, yeah, yeah it's going to be two million dollars. No, please got Bitcoin. I never once have owned Bitcoin or used Bitcoin. What's the fucking use of that thing? So you have not eaten your penis. I'm just wanted to get that on the record. No, no, I did. I, I didn't. You weren't right. You weren't there. <laughs> I've strained, of course. Okay. And what recipe did you use? Was it uh, like what did you use Worcester sauce on that? Well, it's still in process. Let me tell you, to be honest with you. I, basically, I hired uh, twenty-five Bangkok uh, prostitutes specializing in um, oral gratification, and their job is to basically just like you do a lollipop. You know, if you yeah. suck on a lollipop long enough, gone. Right? They're doing the same thing with my dick. They're real. You want to see one right now? Uh, no, I'm sorry, she's shy. So no, constantly, constantly, it's happening. So right. like a death by a thousand cuts for your dick, you're saying? Basically, yes. Um, I have All a question. All right, that's on the record. This is in regards to the coronavirus pandemic that we are all, uh, you know, sweating out, especially us here in New York City. Um, some of my listeners may uh, benefit from a little bit of professional advice regarding uh, PPE, the word we all learned today, our protective whatever equipment. Um, I find myself, since I do not uh, possess a store of medical surgical masks, been using bandanas to cover my face as I make treks out to the grocery store. Um, but in your opinion, what risk am I posing depending on which color bandana I use to cover my face? Uh, say I accidentally well, uh, Mr. Magoo myself. Me, into- yellow bandana. If, if you're using a yellow bandana, for example, um, expect to get pissed off by people. Um, if, I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the hanky coat now. Is it, uh, you guys... Oh, no. Certainly oh, there he is. Uh, I would wear a white one. That's the safest. Right? Do not wear a red one. That means anything goes. So, um, no, it, listen, the, the best thing to do, don't do a bandana. Uh, the, 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 the people in New Delhi discovered that if you take a Siamese cat and strap it to your face, uh, it protects against the virus. If you don't have any cats, I'm sure that, I don't know, try a small dog. Listen, I'm sorry to be facetious about this, but everybody wake up. Do you understand how you are being manipulated and used with this pandemic? God damn it, there's fewer than 100,000 people who have died and in the same period of time. There have been 630,000 deaths from the flu, 1.1 million deaths from diarrhea. Look it up, people. Look it up. You've got Google right at your fucking fingertips. And 6 million deaths from hunger. And 270,000 people have committed suicide in the same fucking period of time. Good God, can you not count any more people? But don't you think that as a safety precaution we should adopt what we've been doing known as social distancing to protect ourselves from diarrhea and hunger and suicide. I don't think diarrhea. The flu is. Okay. The flu has killed 600 fucking thousand. Why don't we do social distancing with the flu? 
And, and you realize this is the seasonal. It's coming back again in September, people. What are you going to do? We're going to lock our asses down every fucking time a coronavirus is active? No, you'd be better off locking yourself down from the flu. We would save more fucking lives. Wake the fuck up, folks. I mean, I'm getting annoyed. Do they not teach addition and subtraction and multiplication and division anymore? Yes, it sounds like a horrible number. A hundred thousand. There are 7.8 billion people on this planet. And every fucking year, 200 million of them die. Wait, the fuck up. I'm not trying to be cold, cruel, or insensitive to those family members who were lost to the virus. But why don't you why don't you pick something else? Makes more sense. The flu makes more sense. Six times as deadly, let's get the flu. Why don't we lock ourselves up for the flu every goddamn flu season? And flu in spite of the fact that there are vaccinations available. There's no cure for the flu. There's no cure for the coronavirus. There's no cure for any fucking virus. You just ride the mother out. You can get vaccinations. We're locking our ass away. Well, for uh, such a fraction of the threat to life I mean, that I, we face every fucking As the creator of the original antivirus software, you know, please, like, I, you know, implore us on how you would protect us as if we are computers. I would let you go home because if if there were a computer, we didn't let him every virus. Some of them are so ridiculous. That they couldn't spread through more than 200 computers. Fuck it, I ain't writing software. That's it. And nobody did. The risk is so fucking low, we didn't bother. It's only the viruses that actually could have destroyed the fucking world that we worked on. This is not a virus we should be paying attention to. This is a, a, a mainstream media manipulated event so that they can own the day. Because all you got is the news. Well, Tell me, you not watch the news at least five times more than you did before coronavirus. You want to know how many died today? What's happening? Are we going to get out of quarantine? Who else is in quarantine? Wake up, people. This is the problem. Well, there is I, nothing to sell from. Stop it. Get out. Disobey the goddamn law and get back to your lives. So, in your opinion, what actually is the goal, the end goal of this uh, quarantine facade uh, hoax thing that is, you know, step phase one, get us all inside. Phase two, get us all watching the news too much. What's phase three? Phase three? Well, phase three is what we had. Good God almighty, while you have been worried about the virus killing you, Congress has passed the most draconian fucking uh, totalitarian laws, giving the FBI the absolute right to in an emergency, in an emergency. Now, who says what's an emergency? The government. It gives the government the right to lock your ass down indefinitely with no fucking charges. Because uh, it's an emergency. This is the end goal, people. And the end goal has already fucking happened. And the other end goal, according to China, what China wants, I'm not saying it, 
is the total economic destruction of the West, Europe, America, possibly Russia. The Russians are too goddamn smart. You see the Russians locking down? It's not going to happen. <laughs> there are smart people with a smart government. We have idiots in our government. So now, $2 trillion is going to be printed up. Printed. You're going to get checks. <laughs> Do you understand anything about economics and what that is going to do to the U.S. dollar? It's going to hyper-fucking-inflate. It'll be the most worthless piece of paper on this planet. We don't have to worry about the absence of toilet paper. We can wipe our asses with $100 bills. Well, we are experiencing a lack of things to wipe our asses with, so that might be Yeah. I have, um, I have one of the Japanese toilets that squirts and dries, and it's <laughs> they're like little robots over there. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we may, you know, agree to disagree about the severity of the of the crisis, but I just want to pivot to your campaign. You don't want to bring up coronavirus, but you did. And, um, oh yeah. So yes, let's move on. More, Fair enough. More, yes, uh, you're entitled to your your opinion. Uh, yeah. Uh, as far as your campaign, um, it, it See, was. In the, end, in the end, the number of deaths from Corona is going to be minuscule. It's going to be less than a million, I fucking promise you. Minuscule. In well, the, uh, and what are you going to wager? What part of your body will you wager for the death count on that one? Wow. Well, I'll because I've got an extra pair of shoes. I don't okay. Them. Well, I'll hold you to that. But uh, I just want to ask about your campaign. It was announced. Like yes, a month ago that um, you were suspending it uh, yes. after the Libertarian Super Tuesday, and it seemed like you were trying to cut a deal with the Supreme campaign, Vermin Supreme. Uh, what's the state of the race now? Are you still running as a Libertarian or are you running as an Independent? Well, I mean, on that Super Tuesday, there was only two Libertarian. Uh, I won. Well, I tied with whoever they do this. Of uh, for first place. Well, he got first, uh, 8.7%. I got 8.2%, um, which I knew was going to happen. Uh, this was this was a PR move uh, calculated to uh, allow me to run both as president and vice president uh, in the Libertarian Party because that's legal in the Libertarian Party. We have separate elections. So what I did is I suspended my campaign for president, and I contacted, or I had my campaign manager contact Desiree, uh, the campaign manager for Vermin Supreme, and offer to be his vice president, all right? Now, uh, he said no, obviously, uh, because he already had a vice presidential candidate, the time-traveling dude, and he and Vermin have been traveling to the future to see how many people are dying of coronavirus and so on, which is fine. Um, so... Well, that left me with no choice other than to to uh, use myself as my own vice president. So now I am legitimately and on the record running for president and uh, vice president on the libertarian ticket. There's nothing that says I can't be both. <laughs> well, wow. What's the advantage of being president and vice president? There's no advantage to it whatsoever. I don't want to be president. No idiot in the right mind would want to be president and no idiot by the way would vote for anybody who spent money to get that job especially millions of dollars and yet we do 
Why on earth would you vote for somebody who wants that job so goddamn bad that they spend a hundred million dollars? Isn't that insane? We do it. No. So you- but for the person, it's got to be drug kicking and screaming, going, no, I don't want it. But we know they're going to do the best goddamn job. Like George Washington, he didn't want our first president. He didn't want presidency. God damn it. He'd been the, the, the commanding officer uh, of the Continental Army uh, during, the, during the rebellion. I mean, he had seen enough duty to his country. He wanted to fish on the Potomac. So if elected, should- you will serve, though. No, of course not. Oh, you won't. Okay, because I was gonna. It, it, are you even eligible to be president? Because it looks like you were born in the okay. United Kingdom. Who cares? Uh, my father was an American soldier. I was born on an army base as U.S. soil. So yes. Um, oh, like Ted Cruz. No, I'm, pardon? Isn't that Ted Cruz also Ted Cruz, yeah. technically eligible for that reason? I was, I was born. I was born in England. My dad was a um, U.S. soldier fighting World War II. Um, I am as eligible as any man. Okay. Uh, well, I have eligible. to say, listen, first of all, nobody in their right fucking mind uh, could possibly believe under even the most extreme warping of reality that I could be president. That ain't happening, people. Good God almighty. Okay. Well, I, you know, I asked because, you know, a lot of people said the same thing about Trump and you, you never know these days. But uh, I, if you were to become president, hypothetically, you would have access to a lot of state secrets, a lot of, you know, things the intelligence have kept. Bullshit. You actually think that U.S. presidents have privilege for secrets? You think, oh, I'm the president. Do we have aliens? You know what they will say, uh, Mr. President? You do not uh, have a need to know. Need to know. No is the most powerful phrase in the fucking world. Presidents don't know shit. What they do know, if they have any sense at all, is that they're being fed bullshit. Mm. Look, at, look at Bush during the second Gulf War. I mean, the CIA, who wanted Saddam gone, and they tried to whack him a bunch of times, it didn't work. Somebody in the central office of Middle East Affairs goes... All right, uh, I want Iraq bombed into oblivion. I want it done tomorrow. I'll be clear. That, that goes to Washington. So the higher-ups go, fuck me. What do we do? We replace this dude? No, he's doing a good job. All right, we're going to bomb Iraq, I guess. Uh, Fred, you and Jerry, uh, you go make it happen with the president, and you 400 people go into Congress, and make sure everybody's on board. And um, so what did they do? They go to the president, for example. Mr. President, please sit down. As you know, it is not our job to uh, either uh, advise you or, or in any way influence uh, your actions and your decision. However, Mr. President, you need to know something. National importance. Iraq has nuclear weapons, a lie, and missiles capable of delivering to our closest ally, England, which was the truth. Half lie, half um, And, Mr. President, we, we have information that as early as tomorrow, a nuclear attack on England from Iraq will obliterate London, Birmingham, Liverpool. Well, forget Liverpool. Nobody gives a shit about Liverpool. Anyway, it's Birmingham. 
what happened? Four hours later, we began bombing Iraq into the fucking Stone Ages. Were there nuclear weapons? Of course not. Everybody knew it, except the president and Congress, because they get their <laughs> facts from the CIA. No, the president got no power. Nothing. Do you know what the, you know? What the CIA calls presidents transients. Transients. Because the director of the yeah. CIA, who is who is appointed by the president, <laughs> do you think anybody pays any fucking attention to him? No. Well, the, well, the reason I ask is not so much about the presidency. Uh, it's because, you know, it, regardless of how you get those secrets across or not, cryptocurrency, people are talking about that. And I'm wondering, is there a way to do cryptid currency, say, with like Bigfoot, take a strand of his hair, spread it on different coins? Is that a currency that we could get going in the future? Cryptid Mi currency. Mint the damn coin. Which coins, though, you know, the quarter, the dime, the nickel? Well, we could make new ones, or we could, yeah, put the put it on what? those coins. The trillion dollar coin should have the chupacabra on it. Yeah, I think. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I could get behind it if, if uh, there was money in it. I mean, okay. I'll promote anything for a few dollars. So. Good, good. Okay, we got you on the record there. I do want to ask about another campaign issue, um, and that is the pardon of Joe Exotic, one of your. Uh, Stablemates on Netflix. Um, he's is in jail right now. Do you support the liberation of Joe Exotic, or do you think he should stay in Joe Exotic? I, I don't get out much, people. Joe Exotic was a tiger uh, tamer and breeder, oh. tiger breeder. You know what I'm uh, talking about? Tiger King. The Tiger King, yeah. Each, uh, monarch. Mm -hmm. He's in jail? He is, yeah. Some would say murder. You got to watch it. Spoiler, that's how the series ends. But, but who did he attempt to murder? Carol Baskins. Yeah, the tiger. Supposedly. Queen. Another tiger lady. Well, why are we putting people in prison for attempting to do things? <laughs> we should all be in prison. In that case, he didn't murder him and he's in prison? Is attempted murder a crime? <laughs> he so hired an assassin, but the assassin didn't work out. <laughs> well, then he didn't murder him, did he? No. Let's get back to business. Of course, let him out. All right, move on. Uh, do you have any other campaign okay. questions? Check. Uh, I, oh, I, I had a follow-up one for uh, just just uh, following up on the, the president thing earlier. Okay, so let's say there's a level of high-tier information granted above the president, and there's a lot of stuff going on there. Do you have any actual theories about, like, which groups are in charge of this stuff, or do you, do you just think it's unknowable and you can't find out? It's just CIA people. They rule the fucking world. No, I'm not saying it's even bad. Would rather have the CIA rule than some idiot politician who knows two things how to smile and be charismatic and how to line his own pockets. That's what politicians are. There's a reason that the CIA calls them transients. People in the CIA, you don't quit your lifetime and you study hard. There are people in the CIA who speak 35 fucking languages fluently. All of them know the intricacies of international relations, culture, religion, history, political alliances of every goddamn region of the world. And then you have some idiots who spent their time well, trying to get an easy job that pays well. That's there for four years. No wonder they're called transients by the CIA. 
Because what do they know? What does a president know about the history of political alliances in the Middle East or in the Europe's uh, or in, uh, in Asia? Nothing. How many languages does Trump speak? Does Hillary speak? I think just one. And we want them to run this largest, most powerful militarily of each country on the planet? Wake the fuck up. How many languages do you speak? Uh, I speak a little bit of Cantonese, a little bit of German. Circle back to something. Qualifies me, qualifies me to pick up women in bars in <laughs> countries. <laughs> yeah, you only need to know a few things in each language for that. Um, that's just double, like, like, Spanish language to me. It's the pick up language. I mean, everything about it. For example, um, let me give you okay, simple phrases like in, in English. How did you get your step by step? Well, it implies an ambulatory thing. No, no, in Spanish it's paso a paso, meaning <laughs> it passed and it passed. <laughs> that was the name of my uh, ninth grade Spanish textbook, paso a paso. I remember. That was the name of my ninth grade Spanish textbook. Paso a paso. I had the same one. Yeah. The same one. Um, I have a question. We touched on something. Uh, no. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we touched on something a little bit uh, earlier that I wanted to ask you about to develop a theory about. So um, there's a, a Netflix documentary series that just came out that Hillary Clinton clearly commissioned about herself and about how cool she is. Um, it was filmed by a woman named Nanette Bernstein, who also filmed oh, a documentary oh, about yourself. I love her work. One of my favorite people. Anyway, go ahead. I well, something on Clinton. Circa 2017, um, comedian from uh, New Zealand named uh, Hannah Gadsby performed a one-woman show slash stand-up comedy sort of uh, you know post-comedy uh, special entitled Nanette, which is about a woman that she was uh, infatuated with um, who has never been uh, you know personally identified. Do you think that that was Nanette Bernstein, and that this, you know, obviously is connected to the Clintons, uh, possibly Epstein, you know, pretty much the entire deep state? Well, you know, I don't really know. I, I don't know her that well. I, I, I paid her a lot of money to do that documentary, and she did a fine job. I'm told. I haven't seen it. I don't have time. I've never watched things about myself. I live with me. There's nothing that the documentary can tell me about me. 
So um, but I paid her a fortune. And, and everybody says it's a fantastic movie. And it did exactly what I wanted. Uh, it portrayed me as a, uh, uh, well, as a snow white, uh, shining light um, uh, of purity. Uh, picking that's up what on I paid. Are you telling me that's not what you did? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say that's about right, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah uh, great. I just have one last question, and I want to be clear. This is Thanks. a very broad, broad question. Don't feel any need to answer it in specific details at all, just in general. Have you ever killed anyone? <laughs> no, first of all, you understand the ridiculousness of the question. Um, first of all, uh, if a person had, I mean, unless uh, I had, uh, a person had killed someone, I'm going to pay for it, got out of it. no one's going to say yes, if they did kill someone. And, and secondly, why ask me if I've killed someone? Uh, why not ask your co-host? Because oh, I've, I've, I've interrogated them at length about their <laughs> histories on this. Yeah, well, all I'm sure saying, I, I know for a fact that you've murdered people, and you just haven't caught to it. So, um, Not really going to confirm or deny that. Uh, uh, we'll say this. Then that Bernstein's and walking, we're going to die. And, this, and let's, let's drop the fucking humor for a second, people. I want to make this perfectly clear. I had nothing to do with the death of my neighbor in Belize. And, and if someone wants to know who did, why don't you look at the Belize government? Um, it's right there and there is the culprit. But in any case, um, that's the best answer I can give you. Have I killed anybody else? Well, not that I can remember. Well, hang on a second. Well, right now. Okay, let's get real. Okay, so when I was when I was captured, Jams is going. No, no, no. Let's get real. When I was captured by the Onamama in the mid '80s in, in Brazil. And I was forced to eat um, human flesh. Well, the experience superseded any drug I've ever taken, including heroin. Um, I mean, heroin, for those of you who have taken it, will agree the first time to shoot it. <laughs> it's like being kissed. My God, but, no, but eating human flesh, especially living brains, well, humans are alive. Oh, fuck me. That's the greatest of all things. Now, for years, I, I was, I was uh, um, a prisoner of the Alabama, but all I ate was human flesh. Um, I, I can't remember if I ever, you know, I don't think I killed any of them. They were killed by other people because I was in my cage and they just fed me through the bars. An honest answer. Ethically. I appreciate it. Uh, ethically sourced human flesh, like a like right, now, a hipsters uh, eat. Gentlemen, just to be clear, I have never even seen a Yanomamo tribesman, although they do exist. <laughs> and was never captured by one. Um, but yes, and have you ever tr tried I'll, I'll, kratom? Pardon? Have you tried kratom? Yes. Yeah, are you a fan? Good God almighty, what is wrong with you people? Why don't you get the new uh, synthetics from Russia? It used to be China. Uh, China came up with things like MDPV. 
methylene dioxide. Now, you want a drug. <laughs> you try that, motherfucker. Uh, it will make all other drugs obsolete. And you will understand that, holy fuck, I've been playing in the kindergarten sandbox of drugs. While out there for 40 fucking years, the, the uh, Illuminati of psychonauts have been sucking up MDPV and Alpha PVP and thousands of others just in the casino fucking family. Um, and if you think acid <laughs> is, is, is heavy, why don't you try 2C? Um, no. Wait, are, you, are you serious? <laughs> Do you like pop? Anders, Anders has a thing for Kratom. It's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. That's his problem. Listen, listen, I, I would. Listen, why don't you mute your, your microphone while I talk about you? Because I'm not going to say nice things. No, why are you hanging out with I mean, it makes no fucking sense to me. I mean, clearly, um, with his drug receptor system, where he believes that this is actually a fine stimulant or depressant or depending on what other drugs you happen to mix it with. So, no, no, no. Now you can turn your mic back on. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, do, do you like poppers? Have you ever done poppers? How old are you? Kids? <laughs> I'm assuming the answer is yes. It's, it's a, you know, it's, it's our I audience. <laughs> when I was 12, of course. Who doesn't? These <laughs> God people. And you're talking ancient drugs here. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's fear. If you're into that, uh, that's fine. I mean, however, it's like you're in Bangkok. <laughs> and, and you got free pass for every prostitute in town. And Bangkok prostitutes are, well, too busy. The cream of the cream. The cream of the female variety, at least, prostitute. And instead of taking that free pass, you go to some bar uh, that's frequented only by English people, for example, and you pick uh, to go home with you, a 45-year-old, frowsy, overweight British mother. Now, that's what, <laughs> what you're doing drug-wise, people. Uh, you're living in a world where... Why don't you go on blue light? Uh, do you guys know even what blue light is? No. No, oh, we're square. You are square. <laughs> BlueLight.org. It is the ultimate drug form on the planet, frequented mostly by uh, PhD chemists, um, uh, neurophysicists, and others, but they also let uh, trash in, like me. Um, in fact, I'm responsible for the longest thread on blue light over a thing called TAM, MTPV. Uh, it's something I invented. It's not true. It was a hoax. Yet, uh, no, go on to blue light. Uh, learn about drugs uh, before you uh, open your mouth. And like, listen, I'm going to give you guys some advice. Um, you know, I learned a long time ago that it is far better, excuse me, to uh, keep your mouth shut and say nothing and be thought a fool than to uh, open it and remove all doubt. And, and that's advice that you guys should take when it comes to drugs. Just saying. 
All right. All right. Dot com. We'll tell them John McAfee sent us. It's dot org, Anders. Dot org. No, no. No, here's what you do. Why don't you go on to Blue Light, register, and go into any place and say, does anybody know anything about stuff monger? That's me. Someone. Uh, that was my that was my um, moniker. No, I am <laughs> I am both loved and reviled on that massive board. Um, but why don't you say I interviewed Stefan? And they'll say, Yeah, who was he really? And they'll they all know. And he said John McAfee and go, Really? Because um Stuffmonger is a legend on, um, on Blue Light. And in the world of drugs, that's been my drug name since the beginning. Stuffmonger. When I dealt drugs, who's your dealer? Stuffmonger. Oh, oh yeah. What's the genesis of that name? Where does that name come from? I made it up. I don't know. Stuff. A monger is a British word for like a fishmonger. A fish yeah, yes. okay. like a cheesemonger. But for, well, I'm a stuff seller. Oh. I'm a stuff. Okay. Stuffmonger. You understand? I follow you. Did you ever go on Eurowid? We have to go, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> Thank you for your time, sir. And thank you for your your insight on serious um, questions and also comments. Um, yeah, about, well, uh, you know, this is hard hitting investigative journalism we're doing here today. Peppering currency with, peppering currency with um with hair and jism from uh, the Yeti. <laughs> they they have a photo now in Russia of <laughs> apparently a Yeti masturbating. Now, doesn't that really? say something? Yes, absolutely. In the woods. Jerking off in the woods. Now, I want a sample of fucking sperm because from that we can get good DNA evidence and maybe even create different versions of Yetis. Oh, this is like Jurassic Park. Oh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, I've enjoyed this and thank you very much. I'm off. Thank you. Thanks again, John. Have a blessed day. Uh, uh, Who said that? <laughs> it was Jake. Uh, uh, I, I didn't hear it. But thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye bye. Okay. Oh my. <laughs> Fucking God. I think, was that Bane? Andrews, Who did we just talk you to? You asked that question. He <laughs> <laughs> sounded like Bane. <laughs> I lost my damn mind when you asked him if he'd killed anybody. I was thinking I about asking him that. Mic. But I like we didn't talk about it before the interview, so I was like, I don't. Maybe we'll just one of us will whip it out. I didn't know anyone else was thinking about doing that because, like, you know, it kind of begs asking. Yeah, I, I thought he was just going to hang up, which would have been a good end. But yeah. I mean, this is way better. No, I'm I'm recording this like not like on directly. Like he can't not he can't take it down because I thought oh he's going to storm out after we ask that and then we're going to put it up anyway. But uh, he didn't give a shit. No, he's used to it. They, they ask him that like all the time now. There is an interview where he was starting to storm out, and then the reporter <laughs> convinced him to stay and was like, "We agreed there were no, um, you know, predetermined rules." But if you agree to no rules, <laughs> you can't be breaking a rule now, can you? <laughs> God, that super villain laugh, <laughs> like. He laughed just at nothing like five times. Uh, being British makes you sound extra evil. 
<laughs> oh my good good god okay. when he started talking so, about cloning a yeti i was like oh jurassic park he sounds like the british guy <laughs> 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 okay uh all right okay um, all right well moving on uh to some uh some more local news i guess since he was in belize i guess where the fuck does he live these days i, I believe it's in tennessee Oh, okay. Oh, right. I yeah. guess he is running somewhere with a lot of background noise. <laughs> is <laughs> yeah. where he's clearly living. Well, moving on. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about what is happening right now in the you know the Rona uh, in the giant circle. If you've seen a map of what uh, of the coronavirus outbreaks, like sort of done by you know uh whatever type of graph it is when you when you put a map of america and then there are all these little circles all over it around different cities where there are larger number of outbreaks the one around new york looks like a game of Fortnite is ending and everyone has to run to new york it's very huge and scary and we're right in the middle of it and it's causing um exponential growth in coronavirus deaths which are causing the fucking morgues to overflow. So I'm going to talk about a little bit about that today because uh, The Intercept released a piece about the thing that happened after the morgues overflowed, which is uh, that basically the uh, inmates in Rikers Island are being like, you know, offered uh, $6 an hour jobs, which is, you know, uh, a lot if you're in prison to um, go out into this island called Hearts Island, which is just out, you know, in between the Bronx and Queens, and dig mass graves because there's something huh. we need to do with all these bodies, right? So I'm going to link to the piece, obviously, in the uh, in the show notes, but um, it's pretty disturbing because, uh, you know, if you're in... Rikers, there's a massive coronavirus outbreak in Rikers. So this is basically, um, you know, these people are being coerced into digging these graves because they're also offering you PPE, personal protective equipment is the fucking word of the day. Uh, Since everyone's running out of, you know, scrubs and masks and shit, there's now this, you know, panic to come up with like impromptu PPE. So like, they're being given like uh, New York Yankees rain ponchos and shit, and sent to an island to go dig mass graves. Which there's all- no way, there's <laughs> no way that is appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> digging up diseased bodies. So there's a surrogate or uh, a spokesperson who works for Mayor De Blasio who was asked about this, and his response to it was that. Um, we've actually been digging mass graves on Hearts Island since like 2008. Uh, that's just oh, where okay. we bury people. <laughs> so they try to downplay it and be like, ah, we do this. We send prisoners to dig mass graves there all the time. The mass it's graves are FEMA compliant. They're Department of Defense <laughs> compliant, meaning that we don't stack bodies on top of each other. They're all laid head to toe, 10 people at a time. So nothing funny's happening in there. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so these are gay. If that's what you're worried about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fellas, <laughs> etc. Um, so these are for people head who... to toe. <laughs> this is for someone who like doesn't have a, a funeral or, or something like that, just like an unidentified corpses. Like, well, I don't know 
why, like why we were already burying people there. I guess it's got to be that. It might be people that died in Rikers, so they just had this in-house Rikers program. Um, but obviously, I think they're trying to downplay the fact that this is definitely due to coronavirus right now. Because uh, you know, why else would they be giving them like these like really scarce? Uh, masks and scrubs and stuff like that to do it and paying them so much. It clearly needs to be done. Um, and another thing that makes it sort of th- th- like backs up that case, I guess, is what's happening with the morgues because apparently New York has about uh, 900 people's like bodies worth of morgue space at any given time. And that's just usually enough to get by because only a certain amount of people are like dead and not buried yet in new york at any given time but about then you'd think yeah about 900 people have died of coronavirus in new york thus far so that on top of the other people that are just dead from like you know a car accident or whatever the fuck where you get killed in new york has caused this to overflow which created a situation in which we had to call in FEMA like trucks. Like FEMA sent in these refrigerated trucks, and they've been parking them outside of hospitals on residential streets. And, uh, <laughs> and like, the weirdest part of all of this is that in order to load the bodies from the hospitals into the trucks, they're using forklifts like you might see at like a Home Depot or like outside of a Whole Foods, just carrying pallets oh, of quinoa no. or whatever. So, and they're having to go down residential streets to get the bodies into the trucks so somewhere in new york bodies are not a good forklift material you're just seeing some guy driving a forklift with like a dead body covered in a white sheet up on the forklift just like past homes and shit to get it into a refrigerated truck to send to Rikers Island and then to Hearts Island to have someone who, you know, sold weed or a loose cigarette fucking 10 years ago be paid $6 an hour to bury it in a rain poncho that says New York Mets on it. Fucking crazy, dude. What a time. Let the bodies hit the forklift. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there it is. I knew we were waiting for something. (laughs) What could you even say? What can you say at moments like this? (laughs) (laughs) We just got off the phone with that guy. It's like, it's not a big deal. Oh, that was dumb as (laughs) shit. Directly into the corpse forklift story. The other thing that's happening in uh, Rikers Island is Cuomo, who all the libs are horny for right now, who is, uh, you know, trying to be like propped up as some sort of Giuliani-esque I was mayor, I was governor or whatever the fuck during this thing hero um, is uh, claiming that he has like hired people to bottle hand sanitizer and not only is that not true he's not paying the people because he's using inmates in Rikers Island to do this they're not actually making hand sanitizer. They're just taking bottles of hand sanitizer and then re like taking the hand sanitizer out of it and then putting it into like Cuomo NYC bottles. So, uh, (laughs) Jake, I'm hearing a lot of negativity on your end, but what, uh, this story sounds like to me is a new onrush of job opportunities at Rikers Island. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Growth From within Rikers Island. Cushy poncho burial gig to uh, sanitizer swaparoo. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right. So, wait, so this they, they were purchased by the state of New York from, like, Purell? I guess. Maybe they're just like, it's like when the, maybe it's like the Tiger King when he got the meat that they couldn't sell or something. Uh-huh. And he's having, oh, like. So it's like shitty hand sanitizer? I don't know. I don't know where that part of the story comes from, but it's. Uh, that, like, either doesn't do anything or is too good, like it eats your skin? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hand I just want to say. The best part of that interview was when we asked him about Tiger King and he immediately started disrespecting us from that point forward. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because he does not watch Netflix. That was really the point where it took a turn, I thought. Then he was just owning Anders for a while. Yeah, I think Netflix is probably a trigger for him. Yeah, I just like talking about Netflix and Belize. <laughs> yeah. Because I said he's stablemates with Joe Exotic, meaning they're both on Netflix. But he just got taken off Netflix, like today, I guess. Uh, yeah, no, I was watching the documentary last night, and then it wasn't there this morning. And so I don't know how it ends, but I'm pretty sure it ends with he Did killed somebody. somebody. Have I think he paid off? someone to do to take it off. Yeah, that's probably what he would claim. <laughs> he, play, he paid someone to hack the Netflix mainframe. He's paying a lot of people to as far as i can tell maybe he's paying the prisoners at rikers who knows right yeah well cuomo isn't just to kind of round out this cuomo thing um cuomo has also cut medicaid during all of this and it also has uh basically explicitly stated that he's against a rent suspension which is uh something that we need to happen right now because if you're paying attention to a uh so what's going on in New York in terms of rent uh, relief? You might have heard that there's this like there's this eviction uh, moratorium, right? And also there's a there's a mortgage way uh, moratorium or whatever. Um, what this means right now, July or something, right? Yeah, three months, ninety days, and what that means is that if uh, you can't really be evicted right now, um, if your landlord tries to evict you a the courts are not really functioning um b it's technically illegal for the next 90 days but all that means is at the end of the 90 days they are free to attempt to evict you and you know maybe a year from now you still will have your credit ruined if you are evicted for not being able to pay um it doesn't it just delays what the fuck was going to happen anyway yeah it's a rent delay yeah well it's not a rent delay right um because the only thing that's actually being waived is mortgages, which are what your landlord pays to right, the bank. Yeah. Uh, so they don't have to pay anything and are still free to collect rent, which is really bad. And it po- pushes the burden, uh, obviously, on the renter. There are something like 70% of people in New York. Well, I mean, that's, that's how many people live paycheck to paycheck. I can't really exact number, but a fucking ton of people in New York rent like three quarters rent or right. something like that but but you know what was really impressive was the speed at which they got the mortgages deferred right that was like the first thing i heard after quarantine is don't worry our mortgages are taken care of our my second home is fucking a-okay fellas now what are we doing stay inside yeah um and yeah and then and then this this uh the idea of a suspension of rent is too far Right, because you hear the term rent freeze a lot, and that actually isn't kind of a good way of putting it because that would uh, that would basically just mean that like you would have to pay at the end of the ninety days all of the shit you owed, which doesn't make any yeah. sense because everyone is being forced inside by the government, which is in charge of these rules. Um, 
So, you know, that, that there's a senator, uh, state senator Gennaris. Uh, this guy is like kind of backed by Bernie and he's pushing this Senate bill that, you know, hopefully will get us the sort of rent suspension. It probably isn't going to happen. Um, but I guess in New York, no way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I'm just my whole take on this is Cuomo is an asshole and everyone that likes him right now is a simp and they don't realize that he is a going to fuck us and B is basically the reason that there is a, like a man right now in the Bronx driving a forklift down a street full of potholes with a dead body on the front of it shaking and that body's going to fall off and snap in half you know on your stoop and that's pretty funny but still not good. He's also a lot of the reason you're not going to pass any good uh, progressive bills in the state legislature because he likes to work with Republicans on a local level. Yeah. Cool guy. I mean, he was more or less forced to sign the rent control bill uh, because we, you know, blew up the independent democratic conference in 2018. Um, but yeah, whether or not he's going to take the effective measures needed to protect renters is doubtful. I mean, at, a, at, at some point though, like, there are so many uh, people who just aren't going to be able to pay it that they're going to have to come up with something uh, for that. I guess like a temporary, like pushing it off might be a solution in their eyes, but like people are still going to be unemployed. Like so many people in New York work in the service industry and are just out of work now. And $1,200 is not going to last, you know, months. It's, it's, you know, this is like a foreseeable future of just unemployment and, like I, I just, they're going to have to come up happen. with some other Keynesian solution. It's it's a it's we're going to finally get that FDR federal jobs guarantee we've been waiting for, but it will be making uh, uh, antibacterial hand medication for six dollars an hour to pay off the rents that we still owe. Yeah, and then you'll get to stay in your house, and that's the kind of employment opportunity you can't leave behind. You know what I bet that's going to happen is the prisoners at Rikers are going to start. Um, <laughs> making coins and then Cuomo's going to come out and say, it's called Cuomo coin. This is for everybody who's <laughs> unemployed right now. <laughs> this is one of the only coins with Bigfoot. Where else can <laughs> you find a coin like that? Only in New York. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then he puts the coins on his brother's eyes as he ships him in a refrigerated truck off to Hearts Island to be buried because <laughs> he died of coronavirus. <laughs> Chris Cuomo. You all regret being uh, being Italian racist to him then, (laughs) but he's dead, and and you can't take it back. Um, Well, moving on a little bit, I have uh, on the show my pal Josh Androsky and new pal David Jetty. Uh, Welcome to the show, guys. What's up? <laughs> oh, with the, in the Skype, it does look like the old beer commercial where the guys are all "What's up?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know, on the commercial, all the homies get in. Where are my homies? I mean, that's what they're doing right now because they're all in core, so they're all like <laughs> coming up with Zoom rooms where they just go "What's up?" <laughs> 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 what is that? It's like the word of the core, man. Yeah. Like, what yeah, that? Man. We're bringing it back, dude, and that makes me so fucking happy because I've been alone in this, and now everybody's going to just be checking in with their homies, chilling, drinking a bud. <laughs> yeah, wearing the scream mask and uh, having your tongue hang out of it. That's which one I am. 
<laughs> on a video call like god intended <laughs> <laughs> well uh hey it's good to uh you know to skype with you guys and to see your beautiful faces which i will never get to touch again assuming we don't get out of this um but uh man you used to touch my face all the time dog what's up i know i loved it remember when we drove across the country like uh, uh fear and loathing in las vegas just 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 palming each other's faces uh, <laughs> i loved it um what's up guys what are you so what are you here to talk about i understand you have a new project a little podcast believe it or not uh lefties yeah, in oh, quarantines doing podcasts what yeah uh so i don't know if you've heard about this but the economy made a whoopsie uh <laughs> and tying everybody to uh i just this... looked up from my bowl of bat soup and went what <laughs> <laughs> uh put down your pangolin and and take up your pitchfork baby we're gonna fucking uh die uh the economy <laughs> is uh bad and there seems to be a, a thing happening right now where um, everybody is agreeing that we must just give an insane amount of money to the worst people in the world to then give it to even worse people. Uh, and there's no in 2008, there was no real like framework of understanding the financial minutiae, the actual material shit that was happening on the left, right? The left was very much like nascent, uh, much more than it is now. And and so these assholes in finance were able to sort of cloud uh, everything around this sort of meritocracy and this fucking stupid language that you have to be a virgin to understand. And so what we're trying to do is to take what's happening and uh, translate it into speech that you can understand if you have ever consensually fingered or been fingered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Dave, would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. I would say we are a uh, market analysis for the fingered and the, fi the fingering. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I think we, we can um, listen. The line is going down. Everybody. We know that that's happening. It's going down and to the right. And uh, that means that your grandparents will die coughing in a hospital and you yourself will be indentured to a major, you know, billion dollar startup uh, until you also die coughing in a hospital. So why is that, right? What are the mechanisms for that? What does it mean when we say we're going to intervene in debt markets uh, to the tune of $4 trillion? It sounds like a bunch of bullshit, uh, but it's actually very specific bullshit. And it's, it's, it's a, it's, it has full consensus in Washington and in your local city. So if you want to understand exactly what you're asking for when you go outside uh, and to burn an effigy of, uh, of the guy who runs uh, the bank who's foreclosing on your house, you'll know exactly what, uh, what those terms mean. And I should mention the podcast is called In the Red, and it just came out. Uh, we were four episodes deep, and it just came out on the uh, iTunes Marketplace, baby. We love markets. Yeah. 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 The marketplace That's of like, I ideas with a lowercase i and a big yes. you follow me. Yeah. It's what, what people can do in this economic temperature that's as cold as the Rockies. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the train's coming, and it's going to run you over. We have a lever that we could pull that would force it to run over a bank. We're not going to pull it, folks. We're not going to pull that lever. <laughs> this entire... This entire collapse is just the trolley problem with the Coors Light train. <laughs> People of the world, they're joining hands. We got to tell them, don't touch. Don't touch your hands. No, you know, here comes the love train, but it's love for the markets. Yeah. Six feet apart. It's the trolley like problem this- with uh, the Thomas the Tank Engine with George Carlin riding on top. And George Carlin's going, he's got a face. Don't touch your face, Thomas, or else the whole damn thing goes up. <laughs> Well, I like the premise to this because this will prevent leftists from getting owned, which is a big problem because in general, we're not math people. Huh? I can't fucking long divide and I'm almost 30. Like uh, that's you know when we argue with conservatives, a lot of times we come up blank when it comes to these these uh, economic arguments. So what are some of like the neoclassical ideas that you guys are debunking? Well, we may we've talked a lot in the last few episodes. We've only done four about money. Uh, I come from a background, at least in uh, left organizing, of uh, economic justice and, and trying to zero in on lending uh, and and uh, the kind of borrowing and spending that cities and counties make. Um, Josh and I were involved in Measure B, which would uh, would have approved the change of the Los Angeles City Charter to found a public bank. Uh, I then also helped with uh, the legislation and the organizing around AB 857, which is a state bill in California. Uh, that made it possible for cities and counties to found their own public banks. So we talk about what banks are, what money is, uh, what money is kind of generally understood to be, uh, and uh, what mechanisms are being used behind closed doors and uh, used by corporations in, in private contexts, uh, but also with our public treasuries to basically raid uh, our productive capacity and to organize us all along these uh, very uh, compulsory um, uh, agreements, which, you know, we all have to rent a house. We all have to go to work. Will someone come and execute us if we don't? No, they don't have to do that, right? Everything conspires to keep you in line. And money is is a huge, huge part of that. It is not neutral. It is not just a thing that measures uh, how much you make versus someone else. It's actually a, a system of control, and it's very much flows, uh, its power flows from the public at large. So it's something that we can take control of. Yeah, the, something that we talk about a lot is the idea that, like, you know, money is fake, except the U.S. dollar is backed by the U.S. military, which is not fake. Uh, <laughs> you can ask any, uh, like, sub-equatorial country, uh, the U.S. government is not fake, uh, uh, but the the like that's a big difference between say like cryptocurrency and the dollar. I was going to ask which uh, what military unit is backing Bitcoin if we refuse <laughs> to believe it. I think there's an island. There's an island I think in um, in the Caribbean, uh, formerly owned by uh, a Jeffrey Epstein. I think that their security <laughs> are willing to back Bitcoin. Uh, I, otherwise, no. There's there's no army that backs Bitcoin. It is a it's it's code. It's pure code in a computer, right? And math that can't be broken. And there's only ever going to be so many of them. And no one can control that money supply. But guess what? When it was announced that the Fed was going to print trillions of dollars, the price of Bitcoin went down, not up. 
why is that? Because Bitcoin is a risk asset and it loses its value first, right? The, the speculative risk assets at the top of the markets uh, represent the froth of what investors are willing to risk. And as soon as that risk becomes apparent, especially in big catastrophic moments like this, those investors pull their money back and they put them into safe havens like, I don't know, U.S. Treasuries, which is a form of U.S. money. They're not flooding into Bitcoin because you can use it to buy sex workers during a Bitcoin conference. That's like, I think, the main thing you can use Bitcoin for. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's not a useful currency. It's not money in a real sense. Yeah, this is proof positive that Bitcoin is fucking meaningless because right now everybody's worried about money. So you would think that right now we'd be like, well, fuck, I guess I should do Bitcoin. But Bitcoin's price is going down, which just shows that it's just as fake as the fucking stock market that all these nerds hated, which is why they created Bitcoin in the fucking first place. Yeah, no one has any faith in a cryptocurrency that is backed by World of Warcraft characters. (laughs) Yeah, that's the army, by the way. Uh, It's digital orcs. Digital orcs are the army. Well, even our previous guest here has disavowed Bitcoin as being just the kind of a relic. Um, but he is talking about uh, cryptocurrency in general still being, you know, a, a path. What is Rick Happy like? Is he like Monero? Is he into the privacy coins? Or- I, it was kind of hard to get him to talk about one thing. He has you've never even heard of. <laughs> yeah. He is secret behind the wall coins. Uh, but is it, is it an actual – is there an actual um, – future here for the left i mean i've heard some people suggest that we should think about cryptocurrency as, as a tool yeah well listen all right blockchains okay well all that is it means is it's a it's a record a record of transactions in a certain order and you crunch it through some numbers so that the sort of the backlog can't be faked right and we all share that backlog on our computers so everyone's transactions are known to everyone through this cryptographic key, so no one can change them. What does that matter? Well, instead of having to go to a banker to tell me how much money I have, I go to this computer program, and it tells me how much money I have. And no one can edit that, theoretically, right? If it can't be hacked, if you build it well, and, the, and uh, a person can't monopolize the amount of computing power in the network, then... Uh, everyone can trust that ledger. This means that you don't need a central authority to tell you who, whose money is what. You can kind of decentralize that. And decentralized networks are a very good thing uh, if they can't be cornered and if they are they have re- meaningful privacy and are not monopolized in terms of how they're distributed. Right? We all can see the the freeing power that certain internet applications provide to us. But we also know that we're using them within these surveillance contexts and contexts that are making Silicon Valley shitheads richer and are, are, you know, basically leveraging the unprotected labor of large numbers of people who formerly might have had more institutional power, maybe, if they were, you know, in the middle class, uh, the right kind of middle class and the right kind of people. Uh, the, the internet kind of puts us all on the same shitty lo- level playing field and then it puts the people who own the applications at the very tippity top and they can just, you know, zip off on a yacht to the Seychelles for, for six months and wait out the virus. So what is a decentralized network that can facilitate the left? Well, the, uh, blockchain programs can do that because you don't necessarily have uh, a place that you can corner, but most of them rely on crypto economics where the earlier you get in, 
the more of a share of the sort of token you have, right? The earliest Bitcoin miners have the huge majority of tokens because back then they were fucking worthless and they were the only people mining them. So, you know, you can't rely on a system that has that kind of retroactive deflationary system. I think that there will be decentralized networks that, that are useful organizing tools and even economic tools, but it's going to take some time and they have to, they have to get widespread enough to escape the Silicon Valley orbit. Yeah, because as long as they stay in the Silicon Valley orbit, all they're going to be is just beanie babies for fucking people in turtlenecks. Besides like Bitcoin and money laundering was CryptoKitties, which was basically just an evolutionary Pokemon application and it overwhelmed Ethereum when it came out. So it's wow. still pretty early. Oh, I like the idea of uh, businessmen throwing themselves out the window of a large stock trading building because Tamagotchis <laughs> have crashed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, once Bulbasaur like, can't access credit in the same way, it's not going to evolve, and everyone's models are going to get thrown off. Yeah. So, okay, I think so. I think I understand what's going on here is that uh, I, this sort of stuff is uh, I have ADD and it makes me my mind glaze over when I try to understand it. So we're doing a little bit of demystification on uh, yes. in the red here. Um, I listened to episode one and it did help me understand a little bit what was going on with the, uh, you know, the mint the coin thing and everything. Um, can you guys give us a little snapshot of like where we're at? Because I know that the the state of things has moved rapidly over, you know the last few days um, yeah what's going on right now yeah sure so where we're at with this massive fucking bailout right now is basically there we uh this should be another sort of hint for the left that anytime something bipartisan happens it's not good uh and uh we have a full bipartisan consensus to give uh like dave said over four trillion dollars to the treasury and not just the treasury not just the fed but to blackrock that's something that's happened now if you're not familiar is with that the- eric prince's new company no it's actually worse <laughs> no actually uh, uh, they make uh, aggressive inline skating boots yeah. <laughs> yes yes if they're they're rollerblades but they they kill people who don't believe in jesus um <laughs> Yeah, so BlackRock. That's what rollerblades do when I use them, pal. Goddamn right. <laughs> uh, uh, BlackRock is a company that, if you're familiar with hypernormalization, um, came out of the sort of uh, late '70s, post, you know, end of the Cold War technocrats trying to manage uh, doubt, trying to manage risk. And so they use these Cold War computers to create this massive network called Aladdin, uh, which uh, it, it, it is uniquely responsible for gentrification and for um, the wholesale just removal of home ownership from the middle and lower classes. So what they did was um, they first started in the late 70s. They, they became um, about... They, they manage about 10% of the world's assets. Uh, and then in 2008, after everybody lost their houses, BlackRock came in and bought them all up. Mm. And so they are, if not the number one, then among the top corporate landlords in America. 
Uh, and so they're fucking evil. They are, they are so just plainly evil that um, it should come as a shock that every Democrat in Congress voted to allow them to be in control of trillions of dollars. Right. But the Democrats voted, uh, we continue the program, but it's called Jasmine now. It's uh, yes, it's not. Uh, we need yeah, a Disney princess. It's a whole new world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. She's I not supposed to be one. But that four trillion dollars, it's already won. <laughs> it's already been given away. Yeah, it's we're all the fucking the little monkey. We're all just getting slapped <laughs> away. Or, or, or we're Iago, the parrot. We're the Gilbert Gottfried <laughs> parrot. Yeah. Uh, I can't what, afford my rent. <laughs> <laughs> What happens when your landlord fucks you in the ass? The aristocrats. <laughs> it's the, the parrot saying it. Yeah, it's the parrot saying it. But Dave, like, what else? Like, from a money, uh, like, purely from a financial angle, is like. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, we we this this is not a precedented economic catastrophe. This is not like the Great Depression. It's not like the Great Recession. Uh, it's not even exactly like World War II, because at least in World War II, we knew what we had to do. We had to uh, basically put everything on hold. We had to reserve all our resources to defeat fascism in Japan, right? And we had to make bombers. And it made sense that you'd convert the GM uh, factories into tank factories, and then you could convert them back. Um, but we have firms like Boeing saying, uh, maybe we don't want to make respirators uh, or ventilators or what they're called. <laughs> uh, maybe we don't want to spin up medical equipment production because, frankly, we make more money on on defense. We're not guaranteed any money for uh, for medical uh, equipment. There is no single payer system. There's no wide scale need or, or government guarantee for that. So why would we make that? And uh, we are facing a problem where we need a highly centralized a highly commandable economy at a moment uh, uh, when when that would save millions of lives, but we've worked for 40 years to decentralize and remove all control out of our economy and to make it as razor thin as possible, to make it so everything runs with as little savings as absolutely possible, so we could grow as quickly as possible. But that means, you know, now every mortgage, every lease is going to fail, and when those things happen, it's working people, obviously, to get the shaft uh, either through things like this bill or just by being evicted in the middle of a crisis. So uh, we also try to bring some uh, some resources to people, um, which obviously we, we always have available. If you are being evicted, there are resources and we can get them to you. Yeah. And um, just to sort of piggyback on what he was saying about like, you know, literally GE workers uh, yesterday protested, like walked off the line because they were like, hey, why are we still making these war machines uh, when we have the capacity to make these ventilators that are so necessary. And GE responded by saying, and I'm not making this up or exaggerating, but we have to think about our other customers, like the United <laughs> States Department of Defense. Oh, right, right. right. Uh, so, so what's happening is... What is a ventilator if not defense? Yeah, well, I mean, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what's happening is we've created this system of exponential growth that... Um, that 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 is not sustainable and the second that it stops everything fucking falls apart so what and the way that we're dealing with it now is the stupidest fucking way possible instead of like dave was saying creating a command economy nationalizing these um industries so that we can look from the top down and go fuck 
you know, Ohio doesn't have any ventilators and Florida has too many ventilators. Let's flip. You know, uh, that's just an example. Florida is never going to have enough ventilators. But uh, um, instead of doing that, what we're doing is we are printing money through the Federal Reserve to give to hospitals to outbid each other for the 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 necessary medical equipment that we need because the way that we're doing this you know what it's going to do it's going to raise the prices of all the things we need so now the government is just an idiot that's like you know you lost all your money on that slot machine but what if you bet more this time because if you win then you'll win more like that's what we're doing it's so backwards and it's completely wrong you know how in every Battle Royale-based film, there's always a moment where you're like, how did things come to this? 60 high schoolers <laughs> fighting for their lives? <laughs> I think we're in that prologue moment right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're in a situation where we can see how this got here. There's, uh, I think there are maybe some people who uh, maybe are not quite uh, on the lefty train yet who might be wondering... Why don't these companies just make the ventilators? Because that's the right thing to do right now. Whatever could be motivating them to not do that. Um, and There's so much demand. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess uh, that being the problem, um, both that people don't understand this and also that uh, the, the privatization of everything has set up these, these companies to not have an incentive – to, uh... Beyond not having an incentive, the, the, what you're seeing is companies have found, you know, found ways to create cheaper, more efficient products in especially uh, the, the healthcare, you know, like medical equipment field. But what happens is major companies go, oh, fuck, if these cheaper ventilators get out, then what's going to happen is we're not going to make as much money. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to buy the ventilator company and then shut them down uh, because their cheap ventilators will hurt our profits. So nobody gets cheap ventilators because this is the system. This is the this is what's trickling down right. is greed. Greed trickles down into every fucking orifice of our economy as opposed to any sort of profits. And this, oh, it's not only a third, it is the engine of it, right? That's what we rely on. And what, at times like this, it fails us. Like, what kind of self-interest is going to motivate people to go out of their way to make 30,000 ventilators that hopefully will never be used again? Because hopefully we don't get to a situation where this all goes wrong at the same time again. Like the whole thing is engineered out of the system. But if you don't overinvest in those sectors the way we do in defense, like we way overinvest in defense. And as a result, we could probably do an Independence Day and fight a fucking alien if they came, even though that's so unlikely. The black, black, black swan event we're actually prepared for. But a widespread coughing disease, we can't handle it. We can't get the military to put a halo helmet on my grandma when she's dying and <laughs> slowly pump life back into her. No, we're, we just press F to fucking pay our respects, man. <laughs> um, okay, well, so with that in mind, uh, I mean, what is uh, what is the prescription here? Uh, what needs to be done? Do we have any fucking say in it? Um, so uh, nationally, probably not. Like, let's be real. Uh, I, yeah, Bernie voted for the bill too, man. Bernie voted for it. 
Yeah, every every member of the squad, all of our faves, they all voted for this shit. Um, and instead of getting mad at them for some fucking Politico article that's just gossip that comes out, we should get mad at them for voting for the biggest, dumbest bailout in American history. Um, uh, look, this is one of those things that I think is going to uh, require some real, like, turning local. Um, there are ways that local governments can mitigate harm in this scenario, like can help renters. Uh, they can help, uh, you, you know, they, they, they can help the, the most vulnerable. The, the key thing that I see, and granted, you know, I'm just one fucking idiot, but we are already in a position where we are not on the job. The vast majority of Americans are not working right now the way that they used to work uh, even a month ago so we as organizers as activists uh the type of people that like are listening to this show um it's on us right now to use this moment you know there there are there are scenarios where uh you know somebody we our, our most recent episode we had zach carter senior reporter of huffington post on to talk about John Maynard Keynes, who is the economist who is the lead the, singer of, was, of Tool, not the Tool guy. We make that very clear. Uh, he's not the yeah. Tool guy. We thought he was, too. That's why we got him on yeah. the fucking show. Uh, but it turns out this guy just was the financial architect of the New Deal and the NHS. Fine. Um, uh, which is cool, but not as cool as Tool. Uh, but but in in these moments, right, um, all of a sudden, the, the, the quote unquote serious economists start talking about massive spending. And if we can organize and get a couple just like real demands to our cities, to our towns and and uh, work from a grassroots level to be like, hey, don't go back to work. I know it's fucking hard, but like, don't go back to work yet. Stay on your unemployment. We're on unemployment. You know, the one good thing that came out of this bill is Bernie's unemployment for freelance and self-employed people. Uh, everybody should be signing up for that right now, um, it, 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 however they can. And using this sort of mini cushion of four months where you get 600 bucks a month to do whatever they can to join a local tenant organization, you know, join, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, whatever, whatever fucking group is around you that's doing Zoom meetings that doesn't seem fucking evil Join them right now, and and we can we can use this moment to create sort of lifeboat socialism, disaster socialism, just like they're using this to do disaster, you know, shock doctrine capitalism. Right. More people than ever are understanding that our economy, our healthcare system, our 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 country is a fucking, you know, it's Lenny's shack. <laughs> it's it's please don't tell people how i live like, it's, <laughs> more people now like the mask is coming off in both directions and and the veil is being lifted in a way that i've never seen before that you know no nobody really has ever seen before and and so we organizers have to use this moment like i know it's scary i know it's fucking hard but really if we don't do it for this then I don't know, dude. Like, we're fucked. 
Yeah, that's kind of the black pilly area I've been in lately where it seems like if it doesn't happen now, then there's uh, no precedent for it ever to happen. But, uh, I mean, things are really fucked up right now, so something has to happen. Look, you know, your gig economy workers are going on strike. That was something that was even three weeks ago, not a possibility, you know? Uh, there, there are these signs of, of support for this shit for, for nurses and doctors, uh, you know, nurses specifically, healthcare workers, porters, janitors, all that kind of shit. Uh, uh, you know, supermarket workers, these, these, the, the people that were saying, Oh really? It caught you. You deserve 15 bucks an hour to flip burgers. They've all disappeared. Every libertarian has gone away. Every anti-vaxxer. No, yeah, not. Now they're accusing strikers of basically being like price gougers, right? I saw Ben Shapiro yesterday was like, uh, all those people that are uh, demanding an extra $5 an hour uh, to put themselves in harm's way, uh, maybe uh, you're the same as the guy that goes out and buys 50 million masks and sells them for $100 to dying nurses. Like, did you ever think of that? Like, somehow, the people who have been exposed as absolutely essential to our way of life are saying, hey, maybe if my job is that dangerous, and also, my wife is out of work, like, and my school is closed. Like, I need some extra help, and I happen to have some leverage. Uh, Instacart, you have whatever your valuation is. Uh, I think they may even be public yet. No, I don't think they've gone public yet. But they, they have an insane amount of capital availability that they could raise money and still make money on it, as opposed to other firms that are just laying it out and, and possibly even going out of business. These folks are going to make more money during this period of time. So the idea that their, their workers could get some more money out of this is not out of the question even in a regular market circumstance. But instead, yeah, no, we're, we're, they're, they're expected to keep uh, just uh, being not really employees. We don't really need you. We're going to bring on an additional 300,000 workers uh, from the very vast pool of unemployed that's out there, and you're all working against each other. I mean, we had a, a very unequal society uh, when this started, and the absolute last thing it needed in terms of stability was this kind of atom bomb going off in the middle of it. There was a New York Times article that was talking about how celebrity culture is collapsing because the only way they can talk to us is from their houses, and somebody <laughs> just gets on their Instagram and is like, fuck you, your house is amazing. Don't tell me that they are all in it together. Like, I can see your servants in the background like yeah. don't fuck yourself it's gonna it's gonna completely undermine their ability to speak on behalf of the class that they're only barely a part of in the first place yeah this is a moment for real class consciousness and it's on us to sort of like you know just be a, a masseuse for that and just kind of <laughs> gently you know nudge people and caress them into uh, uh seeing the world for the stark realities that that, that are in it and and as as you know, you were saying, Jake, being blackpilled, like it's it's we the, the people that have been like, this is bad. <laughs> like now <laughs> we're all being validated in this way that does not make us feel any better at all. There is a <laughs> real strange like there's a real bittersweet, like uh, won the battle, lost the war kind of feeling of uh, watching, you know, the nuclear bomb go off and lay waste to everything and kind of feeling smug about it right now or i'm like ah, remember all those facebook arguments ah. right <laughs> right but those the people on the other side of those facebook arguments are finally realizing it and and here's the thing the the there are theories that say and and there's there's validity to them that 
the American people are too comfortable to be pushed towards any sort of meaningful revolutionary action. And and when I say that, I don't mean you and your dumb friends that all wear black jeans, uh, you know, going around and, and, and being a vanguard. Like, you and your friends aren't fucking Lenin. What I mean is, like, real capital wealth redistribution. Uh, and And we've seen throughout history that when people start to get hungry and when people's backs are against the wall, that's when militancy like class labor militancy really shines. And, and, and we are in a scenario where as you, you have this uncertainty, you have this, you know, job loss, you have this, uh, payment of, of rent and, and, and deciding between rent and food, people are going to start getting hungrier and everybody's trapped in their fucking houses. So as soon as everybody's going to be let out, whenever that happens, whether it's May, June, July, or August, uh, it, there is a recipe here to create an actual movement of working people that demand equality, like real equity, like real justice. Uh, yeah, the, the alternative to that, unfortunately, is that they may get radicalized in other directions, and, yeah. and certainly yeah. the the. The pieces of that are all in place, and the president certainly would prefer them to to go another way. And yeah, but he's uh, not doing enough. I don't buy that because he he had his chance and he's completely fucked it up. I, I don't think that that the the because I was fearing that too. But the fear of the like Steve Bannon style, you know, like right fascism. Who knows? It's it's really early still in this process, and as the bodies start piling up, we might be seeing that. Uh, because if, if Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer had anything to do with it, they'd be able to get their way. Uh, you know, the right fascists would be able to win and come around on the left of like meaningful issues economically, at least. Uh, but I, I don't know. It seems like there's there's fertile ground for uh, class war in a way that hasn't existed in our lifetimes. And it's up to us, the privileged and the um, quote unquote woke uh, to to harness that. All right. Well, I'm throwing up the black pill from within my throat like a cat. I'm like a little cat. Reality has tried to shove the black pill down my throat by squeezing my jaw, causing it to go, oh my God, and getting it down in there. But defiantly, I am spitting it back up and throwing up a little thing that looks like a Snickers bar, and all the black pill stuff is coming out with it. And I am choosing to seize this moment to install. Uh, something that is a combatant to the disaster capitalism we know of uh, Naomi Klein's shock doctrine. I am installing instead disaster solidarity, disaster mutual aid, disaster yes. socialism. Uh, I'm going to get up and do this. I'm going to make not a black water, but a black LaCroix, something that my generation drinks instead of water. Okay. <laughs> I bl- I'm black claw, black claw, black claw. Yeah, that's there. It is. Yeah, <laughs> we figured it out. <laughs> um, all right, I uh, I'm inspired. I um, appreciate you guys' mission. I do need things to be demystified. I like many men my age have ADD from the video games, and uh, you know mm-hmm. probably all sorts of lead paint and stuff. So, um, yeah, so I uh, thank you so much for what you're doing. I will promote the shit out of it. Um, does anybody else have any last questions before we kind of mosey on and get on with their day? 
Yeah, it's on the Apple Podcast app uh, in the red with uh, David Jetty and Josh Androsky as the full title. Um, you can listen to our newest episodes. We're going to put them out on SoundCloud. I think it's on Spotify, but I can't find it because I don't use Spotify. But, you know, just fucking Google it. <laughs> yeah, you, you found your way here. You can find your way there. You idiots. Uh, you fools. Um. All right, guys. Well, again, I don't know how to end podcasts anymore because I have nothing to plug because we can't go outside. So listen to this podcast and rate and review and subscribe to us. And for the love of God, if you've got some money to throw around and you enjoy our show, sign up for our Patreon on patreon.com slash poddamnamerica because this is now my only job. Um, and I know, uh, made it King. Yeah. This is not the way I intended to go professional at this. Um, but here we are. So yeah. Uh, follow everyone. I'm, you know, you know, me and Anders and Alex and, uh, I, I, how do we end this? Uh, have a blessed Join your fucking local tenants union. There you Find go. Yeah. Union. Join it. All right. Well, I think we sign off on this show by t- putting on the Mortal Kombat voice and going, it's finished. All right. It's finished.